You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Zone 32 podcast. Brought to you as always by NZI Properties. Follow us on Twitter at NZI Properties. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Grant is here with me. Max can't be here because he was eaten by a bear, but he'll be digested soon enough to be back for another episode. Say what's up to the people, Grant. Man, listen, we're back, dude. We're back with Wild Car Weekend, Super Wild Car Weekend, but this is not sponsored by Nickelodeon. This ain't no Slime Time Live shit. What are we talking about? We talking about the games and how they let the F-bomb drop on Nickelodeon and scarring those kids for life along with Spongebob. They probably hear a lot worse at home. <laughs> Damn straight. We'll be talking about recapping all six of the wild card games today. First and foremost, want to give a shout out to old handsome Drew. We are with you. The podcast and the brothers are all with you. Yeah, we love you, brother. Thoughts and prayers to you, man. We love you. Thoughts and prayers to you and your family, my guy. You keep it easy. And you keep handling your business on the Tinder, though. Let's just get into it. Colts and the Bills. The Bills came out. They won that game 27 to 24. And to be frank, you can make the argument that the Colts outplayed them for most of that game. Running the ball at will. Josh Allen playing fine, making a couple of plays. And a couple of plays that were missed by the Colts really changed the balance of that game, including that that miss from Phillip Rivers to Michael Pittman. So anyway, Grant, I'm going to start with you before I go into a diatribe. Give me your thoughts on the Colts, Colts-Bills game. I mean, dude, like, I, I mean, the Bills are a good team. You know, I think, like I said in the last, you know, when our prediction show, um, my X factor was Phillip Rivers. You know, Phillip Rivers was going to be the X factor of the game. He decided who won and who lost. He pretty much decided who lost. I mean, they ran the ball really well. Jonathan Taylor is a freak. We're going to have a lot of fun watching him in the near future and for a long time. But, you know, if if the Colts had anybody besides a dude with a wet noodle as an arm, then they win that game. I mean, they they played more physical, you know, defensively. Um, you know, they did what they could for – I mean, you have Cole Beasley. You have – you know, I'm a big fan of Gabriel Davis. We talk about that all the time. Uh, you and I, Jake. And, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs, John Brown was back. Um, no run game. Josh Allen, you know, did some things. He's, you know, he's very talented, um, you know, great arm strength. You know, sometimes those type of dudes give us trouble, um, which we see them this week, and we'll get into that on Thursday. Um, but I think that, you know, Bills won their game. You know, they kind of got that quarterback. You know, they were, they were, um, you know, that was the thing, you know, just get over that hump. Um, and they did that. So, you know, you got to give them credit when credit's due. You know, congrats to Bill's Mafia. Uh, it's going to be a fun week talking trash with them. You know, we already started today. Um, but, you know, I mean, the Colts have nothing to be ashamed of. I think that they have such a solid core. Um, you know, I think Philip Rivers kind of isn't the answer there. If they can, you know, get somebody else in there next year, make a trade for somebody like Matt Stafford or, you know, depending on draft status, you know, they're not going to be drafting high enough to really get anybody unless somehow Trey Lance or Mac Jones are around there. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, they played their game, they won the game, and, you know, now they're off to have this wonderful team in a charm city come up with a bunch of crab cakes and uh, put a foot in their ass. Yes, sir, you already know what it is. The crazy thing about that game, you're not wrong. The Colts kind of dominated, like, they gained almost 500 yards of offense. Phillip Rivers, looked, his arm would looked weaker than Peyton Manning in 2015. 
everything was a floater. Everything took its sweet-ass time getting those receivers. He should have thrown two or three interceptions, but the Bills didn't catch him. That's just, that's the reality of the situation. Of course, my X factor was the Bills' defense, and I would have been right had it not been for a bad officiating decision by Brad Allen. That was obviously a fumble. It really was. I don't know how you missed that, dude. Like, that's so bad. That's what I'm saying. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you? He's obviously getting up. He wasn't touched, and they punched the ball out. So, well, and two, like you said, with the yardage part, like you know, a lot of that too. A lot of Philip Rivers' yards, they were just yards that, yeah, they might have contributed to something. But when he needed a play, he missed throws. You know, like you said, like the Pittman throw was huge. Uh, you know, he missed a lot of his big throws on third downs. He's just, you know, sometimes we just get to that point, man. <laughs> He is at the end of his career. Thought that going in whenever he left from L.A. to play for the Colts. But he also thought, who knows, maybe he'll play better than Jacoby Brissett. Though, that being said. He's going to be the first granddad in the NFL. He's going to be the first to field his own NFL team with all <laughs> however many of kids that he has. Go along, Dad. He's only like two away. I mean, you got to hit. It's like, you know, you can't win the lottery if you don't buy lottery tickets. Exactly. That's just what it is. So, Philip, we'll just tell you this from the zone 32 to you. Either snip it up or wrap it up, son, because, I mean, what are we doing here? You, Your time is done in the NFL, and you're about to host your own offense or defense, whichever you feel like. Anyway, the Colts took advantage on the ground. Naheem Hines was really getting off and making plays. The Bills couldn't defend the tight end, really. Doyle was going off, making a lot of catches. And he's been kind of beat up, too. He has, and he he's always that. He, even when Andrew Luck was there, he was that tight end that was consistent for them, but never splashy. He was not. He was a nice player for him, but he was going off. The Bills didn't run at all, but but another thing too with that is why did they go away from Mo Alley Cox? Man, like he was a matchup nightmare. Athletic, strong hands, makes contested catches. Like he balled out for them for like four straight weeks, and then Jack Doyle and Trey Burton come back and like, oh dude, you were really good. But sorry, man, we got we paid these guys. Exactly. Burton's, Burton's a waste of a target. Ali Cox is substantially better, and he should be – really, you can make the argument he should be the tight end one, and Doyle's the scrappier tight end two. I think Ali Cox like six 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 seven. I mean, you got to – like, he played Division one power forward. Like, if you could tell me any, like, any other sport, you're like, hey, pull this player from another sport of any position of anything, I'm taking a basketball power forward to be my tight end. Like – you want to talk about rebounds? Like it looks like like they're sitting there catching like one of those John Elway vertex balls with the whistles on the side. Exactly, and that pipeline is not dry at all. Given he came out with Gates and Graham and all the other tight ends who came out who were former basketball players and Tony G. Yep, I mean that that pipeline is strong, and that's a hell of a place to find find those kind of players. But got to give credit to the Bills; they made pl- they made the plays that they needed to, and they and they. They advance and get to host another playoff game. Moving on to the NFC, the Seattle Seahawks played host to the Los Angeles Rams, and much to my own surprise, which really shouldn't have been, the Rams came in and they punched them in the mouth. They played each other two weeks prior, and to be frank, the Rams kind of dominated on defense. Russell Wilson had a far less than stellar game. Goff didn't look much better, but Russell Wilson was 11-27, to for 174 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick, and was sacked five times. And some of that was in the second half. They also didn't have Aaron Donald out in the field, so that's even more inexcusable. 
but you got to give credit to the Rams defense, not even just with Aaron Donald. They've been playing extremely good ball. They give up the fewest yards per play in the league, fewest passing yards, total yards, yards per play, points, you name it, second in sacks. They are who they are, and Brandon Staley has done a great job with that defense, which is funny to say that any kind of defensive coordinator would come in and be an upgrade over the legend of Wade Phillips, but hey, that's what we had. So Grant, what was good? What you got in this game? First of all, shout out to Aaron Donald. That guy is just a f- complete freak of nature, man. Like, he is, like, he's fun to watch. Like, it doesn't matter which, I mean, I like the big guys. I like the guys in the trenches. Like, give me the meat and potatoes, bro. Like, and when you watch him, it's just not fair. Like, the guy moves like a running back. And, like, the way that he levels his body, the way that he contorts, you know, his pass rush moves, his strength, like, you know, the guy, you double him, triple him, it doesn't matter at all. And he's the most dominant, and I will say this on record, he is the most dominant and probably the best interior defensive lineman that I've ever seen. When it's all said and done, it's not even going to be a question that he's going to be a first ballot gold jacket, and he is going to be the greatest at, at, that has ever played the interior defensive line. Like, you can't – he's not even close to being done. He's just, like, at his – you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not even to his peak yet, I don't think. Like, I think he's right there, but he's not going to, he's going to, even if he levels off, he's still going to level off at 13 to 15 sacks a season. So, I mean, what do you do? And, you know, I think that we all got a little bamboozled by uh, Mr. I got completely limited and, you know, they just look lost. Like the Seahawks had no identity. You know, why do they get away from the run game? There's no reason that Chris Carson shouldn't touch the ball. You know, he's a phenomenal running back. You got Carlos Hyde. You have these backs that your team is built on power. Stop trying to force shit with Russell Wilson. That's what cost you a Super Bowl. Know your identity and follow through with it. And that's what a lot of Ravens fans, too, this year had a lot of shit to say with Greg Roman about this whole, you know, went to the passing thing, you know, 40 passes for Lamar, 50 passes for Lamar. Like, you are who you are. Trust the game and do it. Stop trying to contort to what the NFL wants you to be and what ESPN wants you to be and rack up all these stats and shit. Like, be who you are to win football games. You know, people are like, oh, Lamar had 176 yards passing. He won the game. He also had 136 yards rushing. So I can't stand stats sometimes because you get a lot of ignorance when, like, you try to, like, people just don't understand the aspect of it and the situations that players put each other in. But Roethlisberger threw for 500 yards and lost the game and had four interceptions. So what's your point? You know what I mean? Like, and I think that we get enamored with the skill players that the Seahawks have. You know, Derek, DK Metcalf is phenomenal. You know, Tyler Lockett had two catches for 43 yards. First of all, why do you only have two catches when you're averaging 21 and a half yards of catch into the number two option on the team? You know, offensive line was beat up for the Seahawks. But, you know, the Rams, they came in. They knew what they had to do. They weren't, you know, they didn't back down from anything. Um, pretty crazy how everything started off with Wolford, you know, his neck and everything. I hope he's all right. And then golf coming in, basically playing with four fingers and, you know, he looked good. He didn't try to force too much. They played just minimal, you know, outline skeleton football stuck to what they did and they did the thing. And, you know, I think we saw the emergence of Cam Akers too. Um, you know, he's a beast. He He's very, very, very good. And I think that they need to keep riding him coming into this week. Um, I think they have a shot, man. I mean, anybody has a chance on any given Sunday, especially I believe in the NFC. I don't think it's as much as a runaway as people think it is for the Packers. But I mean, I mean, what do you, what did you catch out of that? Well, 
we'll preview this future matchup of Packers Rams on a future date when the next episode comes out. But you're absolutely right. They dominated on the ground. And I was a little surprised because Seattle for most of the year, they've been pretty good at stopping running backs. And since they made that, since Jamal Adams came back and they made that trade for Carlos Dunlap, they've been a better defense. And it showed on the, on it showed on Saturday because I mean, Jared Goff had himself a bad, a less than stellar day though. He's also hurts hurt coming off a of relief. They had Wolford coming in for the beginning because of that. They didn't want to risk any kind of further damage to golf and losing him for the rest of the postseason. So I get it, but yeah, the Rams front seven dominated Donald coming away with two sacks. Leonard Floyd coming away with two sacks. Morgan Fox had himself a sack. They are consistently harassing Russell Wilson and Seattle should use him more as a runner. I understand the idea of being scared just, who knows, maybe my guy is going to take that one hit that I don't want him to take. But at the same time, if they're if you're sitting back there like a wounded duck anyway, and you got big 285, 290-pound Aaron Donald coming your way, you're going to get hurt regardless. Like Tom Brady tore his knee up in the pocket. Aaron Rodgers was on the run making a throw outside the pocket, and he gets leveled by Anthony Barr, lost for the season. So it doesn't matter. You could be running and then get broken, but you can be in the pocket and lose your career too. Look at Andrew Luck. They didn't invest in an offensive line over there in India, Indianapolis, and they lose a guy who is touted to be the next John Elway to season-ending injuries and just a litany of injuries, him not playing all that much compared to the time he was off and retiring at 29 to be an architect. I mean, I mean that, that's that's just what it is. They should run Russell Moore. He actually ran the ball kind of effectively, four carries, 50 yards. There are scrambles, but nonetheless, if you have him as a threat as a runner, then those D linemen can't rush and pin their ears back like they were before. But uh-huh. you're I absolutely mean, they, right. They like the thing is, is like the Seahawks identity and, and what makes Russell Wilson is the ability to run the football. And not him to be able to run the football, but their offense to be able to run the football. Because the, if you look at all their successful years in Seattle, and even with Russell Wilson, his thing is, is you control the line of scrimmage. The Hawks used to control the line of scrimmage. They're a power run game. And what makes him good is play action, you know, moving the sticks, you know, getting out of the pocket, you know, flowing the defense, you know, making the defense flow to him where he throws across field on those deep crossing routes or mid crossing routes or, you know, shifting the defense, trying to go against it and kind of going against the grain. And they don't do that anymore. They're trying to just play in his hands. And obviously it's not working. So that's kind of on their fault. And, you know, there's no reason the Seahawks defense shouldn't have their way with the Rams offense. I think we're seeing to a point where the Legion of Doom has gone to the Legion of Poon. Yep, exa- that is exactly right. I mean, you got to give the Rams credit, though. Their front seven dominated. The back end clamps those receivers overall. I mean, shoot, Tyler Lockett had he caught two of four balls for 43 yards. DK caught five for 96 and two touchdowns off 11 targets. And not all of those he was matched up with freaking Jalen Ramsey. So I mean, they they won the battle. Those deep that defense won the battle against Russell Wilson and that offense. And that whole let Russ cook notion has been dead since they lost to Buffalo earlier this year. So that is what it is. You're abs- you're right. Aaron Donald very well could go down as the greatest defensive player ever. And Russ can't even thaw up the meat right now. Hell no, he can't. He he would take my he would take my frozen chicken breasts inside of my freezer and attempt to cook them now and wind up catching salmonella. That's how trash he is. But enough of that. We'll move on to the the, the Saturday night game with Tony Dungy and Mike Tirico on the call. 
it was a closer game than I expected and probably more than a few others, but the Washington football team team came, they hosted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they lost it by a score, 31-23 to to Tampa, with Tampa now moving on to play an opponent who I will discuss later with another matchup. So Grant, tell, tell, me, what's, tell me what's good. That was a fun-ass game to watch. I mean, we all saw Heineken get on the planet, dude. Like, nah, Taylor Heineken, man, much credit to him. You know, ODU, what up, stand up, Norfolk. Um, but no, I mean, it, it's cool watching somebody like him and he's got confidence in himself. And I totally dig that whether they won or not. And he went in there with, he had expectations for himself. Nobody did. And I mean, I think he showed out. I mean, you saw social media, everybody's like, you know, on, on the, on the Heineke train. And I think it's cool. And I think, you know, Washington might have something there to where they don't have to necessarily force something. They might've found a little diamond in the rough. And I deserve, I think at least deserve that chance. And it gives the Reds flexibility that they don't have to reach on a quarterback anytime soon. And, you know, if he's not, he's not. If he is, he is. And you can sign a formidable veteran free agent quarterback to sit behind him or, I mean, or start or whatever, you know, whatever. If he messes up, he's not who he is. You know, we don't know. But, you know, that's a big-time stage. And a guy that didn't hadn't had that much experience to go in and play the way he did against, you know, one of the top defenses that completely neutralized the run. Um, Gibson, he was out, um, you know, they they did what they had to do, and um, they made it a lot more exciting than people thought they would. Tom Brady recently has just been on an absolute tear. I think he thinks it's 2008. Um, he's back with a vengeance. And, you know, as long as he's not crazy being a complete douche nugget, like, you know, I'm all for it, man. I'm all for people's second chances and turning their life around and stuff. And, and so part of me is like, you know, People have already counted him out. They hate him for what he did. You know, people make mistakes, but, you know, I'm happy for the dude. Like, I hope he keeps balling out and, you know, gets his life in the right order. And I think, you know, being where he is with Tom Brady and, you know, I say what I do about Tom Brady, you know, you know, I can't stand the way they plays the game. I don't like Uggs, you know, um, but, you know, he is a great pro. He's a great veteran, great leader. And he's, you know, the greatest quarterback that we've seen as much as that pains me to say. You know, rings don't lie. You know, the situations he's won don't lie. Um, he's been here before, so I think that makes him dangerous. Um, the matchup that they have coming up this week with the Saints, you know, we'll talk about that on Thursday also. But, um, you know, I, I think that he's got a lot of confidence in himself right now, like he always does, but he's playing hot. And his receivers are playing. If they had a run game, I don't think that – I think that they might come out of the NFC, to be honest with you. Um, the game, you know – it was back and forth, man. I mean, there was a couple mistakes on each side that might have swayed towards the Buccaneers' way. Uh, but, you know, all in all, I mean, they did what they had to do to win the game, but they were definitely shaking their boots at times because the Redskins weren't backing down. And I think, you know, the fans – I keep saying Redskins, sorry, Washington. Uh, but, you know, the Washington team, they, they, uh, they definitely have a lot to look forward to, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that – Coming up in the near future, if they get some things in order, you know, you know, they have a good future. So it was a good confidence game for them, even though they lost. But we'll see what happens coming up soon. And it's the Washington football team. Just leave me alone. Well, in your defense, this is the first year they've actually redacted the name and they called themselves the name redacted. They were the Redskins for a long time, just like the San Diego Chargers were the San Diego Chargers for a long time. Still call them San Diego, and I'll always call them San Diego. And then the Rams, when they went from L.A. to St. Louis and then back to L.A., I mean, people still called them St. Louis Rams. Even this year, the Oakland Raiders, John Gruden wore an Oakland Raiders hat, realized he's wearing an Oakland Raiders hat, 
and put on a Las Vegas hat after halftime. So, I mean, it happens. People make mistakes. Players screw up, just like Day Day said next Friday. So we'll move on with it. But, yeah, absolutely. Got to give credit to the Washington football team. They were scrappy. They got after Tom. They they didn't come out with the dub, but they hit him. And got to give respect to that defense. They obviously have five first-rounders along that defensive line, four of which played most of the most of the game. I mean, they're an excellent group led by Chase Young. And I will say this, like with all the credit that we're giving them too, is that what I didn't think was going to happen happened, and that's that the Washington came down. The offense played good enough to win that game. Yeah, you're not wrong about that because they – like we've you've spoken about and you've made the point in private conversation, it's real difficult having to prepare for a quarterback who's completely different from the one you're preparing for before because Heineke was moving around and he was mobile. Alex Smith, he can scramble a little bit, but he's more of a statuesque guy who can pick you apart off the three-step and five-step drop running the West Coast offense. But Heineke was getting him. He was, he was running the rock. The running backs didn't do a whole lot as far as trying to run between the tackles, but they didn't need to. Because Heineke was going off, making plays on the move. Dude, that touchdown run was so badass. Yes, it was. It's a shame that he got hurt on that run, but, you know, whatever. That dude gave it all, and I respect that, especially given you have to what, – what's the word I'm looking for? Playoff time. There ain't no time to be soft. It's, it's nut up or shut up and get it done. And they tried their damnedest, but in the end, the talent of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won out. That receiver core is stupid, and you got to give Mike Evans even more credit. He gets hurt the week before, comes back like it's nothing, and has six for a buck 19. If anything, it was Chris Godwin who looked more like the, the hurt receiver because he caught five of 12 for 79. Listen, let him play bad. Let him have a terrible playoff because he's a free agent. If we don't get A-Rob, you know, him and Corey Davis are some guys that are there. He might be a little cheaper if he doesn't have a strong playoff, but we know that what Chris Godwin can do. Um, speaking of that, two of those three are uh, Penn State cats. Hashtag come to the Ravens. We get two of them. I would not hate that. I would not hate that at all. God, Godwin would be a great asset, but that'll be a little bit of speculation come after the Super Bowl and everything. But yeah. Yeah, I'll pick 32. Absolutely. Antonio Brown on his him coming back. He is a good comeback story. I mean, a lot of his wounds are self-inflicted, but. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a dumbass. We all know that, but we, he's a dumbass. I just think there's a lot more line. I mean, Mitchell is real, and people make fun of him and laugh at him and all that stuff, and it all it is all self-inflicted, but at the same time, you know, I really hope he does turn it around. Absolutely. I mean, you got kids involved. You, you can't be like that for your kids. Interestingly, he, he hadn't quite been right since he got leveled by Vontes Burfick back in 2015, so who knows? Maybe it's a little, Maybe it's a little bit of cognitive damage to his dome after getting knocked out. Or maybe I'm just being reckless with my speculation. Who on earth knows that? But got to give the Bucks their due. That front is nice. They they proved why they're as stout a front seven as they are. And Devin White was out because of COVID, but they didn't miss him that much because Levante David had himself a day. And now they go on to play another team whom we'll get into after this joyous occasion, reflecting on the Sunday morning wild card game where your Baltimore Ravens and mine came into Nissan Stadium, saw the flaming thumbtacks, punched them in the mouth, and came away with the dub, sending them packing and crying the next day. So Grant, holla, let's reflect, let's celebrate, 
Lamar Jackson got his first playoff win ever. Let's go, baby. Hootie hoo, hot He did it, dude. He silenced the critics. Nah, man, I'm just so fucking sick of hearing that narrative. It's like you're criticizing this dude for not winning a playoff game, but the guys that you're comparing him to haven't even been to the playoffs. Do you know how stupid you sound? And the fact that you're like, oh, he's 0-2, he's 0-2. Okay, well, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because last year he threw for, what, 350 yards and ran for a buck 40. So he combined for almost 500 total yards by himself and we lost. This year he combines for 240 and he didn't throw for too, in, too many yards. He's going to lose. He's not a good quarterback. He didn't throw for enough yards. Like, so, but he won. So which is it? What do you want from the guy? I think that it was uh, – fucking poetic justice and i was so excited the most the greatest nfl moment that i've seen is that stomp the logo because that was just it was just it was like it was poetic justice man it was there it happened you know and it was even better that it was marcus peters of all people and like he didn't hesitate he had that pick did that baseball slide stood up everybody just went straight to it and they had that next gen stat or whatever it was that showed all the fans running or i mean all the uh, players running to the logo and it's like man there was a lot more people there than i thought was but i mean it was fun my favorite reaction was marlon humphrey sitting down on the logo <laughs> looking at him like what's up but um no i mean on a serious note as far as the game goes i think that it was an all-around good game um i think they played their game they didn't shoot them, themselves in the foot too many times you know, Lamar's throw, that was, that was you know, that was a terrible throw on that interception. People were like, oh, that was a touchdown. First of all, what a touchdown. You don't even know if he would have caught it or not. The way he had to lead him to the sideline, you know, it would have been a tough play regardless. So it would have, could have, should have. Um, but, yeah, it was a bad throw. He, he threw it inside. He should at least threw it outside. Um, the Mark Andrews drop on third down had me hot. I'm like, this dude doesn't show up in big games. And then he completely shut me up with that. You know, that the biggest play of the game was that third down in the fourth quarter when Lamar put the stiff arm when I think it was the Dory Jackson on the blitz and rolled to the sideline and threw that ball across his body. And that I mean, first of all, the accuracy to be able to do that. Where you run at full speed, you'd stiff arm a guy, you're trying not to get tackled. It's a third well, I think it was like third and nine. And you throw right before you hit the sideline, you're throwing across your body, but you throw down the seam of the sideline. And you hit a dude that's got a DB on his back, right square in the numbers. I mean, that's they, th- those are the things that people don't talk about. And it's like the throw to Hollywood, the, the one on the corner route. Like he put that exactly where it should be. I mean, he dropped it over fantastic coverage. He dropped it right over his shoulder. It wouldn't have been a, you couldn't have possibly had a better throw than that. And but you don't hear a word about it. It's all about the interception. It's all about you know he didn't throw for too many yards, but. That's the thing is, like, his efficiency is insane. I mean, he's still how many touchdowns to, what, 48 touchdowns to no interceptions in the red zone? So, you know, get off, get off his fucking back, you losers. Um, but Titans, they're a tough team. You know, they scared me probably more than anybody besides the Chiefs. Um, wasn't worried about the Browns, not worried about the uh, – wasn't worried about the Steelers. You know, Colts, wasn't worried about them. Bills, not too worried about – but I was worried about the Titans. Um, they're, they play – the same style of football that Baltimore does. You know, they're going to ground and pound you, make a staple to the game. And if they can control the clock and that's what they like to do, then you got problems. And they have, you know, Corey Davis. We've talked about him in free agency. A.J. Brown, who's one of my favorite young receivers. Just his game is – I love his game, man. He's he's a good dude. He's respectful, and he balls out. 
And, you know, he gives credit when credit's due. I think Marlo tweeted something the other day about how he didn't have a good game. And, you know, but it was great that they got the dub and all this. And A.J. Brown quote tweeted was like, yeah, something about like you're a legend, bro. I respect you or something like that. Or I respect you or your game. You know, that, that speaks volumes because, I mean, Marlowe did have a, have a tough time with him. And it wasn't that he he was in bad coverage. I mean, A.J. Brown's just a monster. I mean, some of those balls that Tannehill was putting on him, they were great throws, and A.J. Brown was making the plays. I mean, sometimes as a DB, you can't do too much, especially in a league that's catered to the passing offense where they call, you know, penalties on everything. If you breathe on them, it's a P.I. And you, what are you going to do? Are you going to take a 30-yard P.I. or are you going to take the chance of playing good defense and hoping that he doesn't catch it or get a hand in or something? But I'm very proud of the team. I love how they responded. I think that Titans, hopefully they got humbled a little bit. You know, I like the way they play football as far as offensive and defensively. They're aggressive. You know, they. I don't deal with the antics and the bullshit um, with Vrabel and all that. But, you know, he he does. He's got, I mean, he's got his troops and, and, and they will go to war and they'll go to war with everybody. So, you know, I do, I do have respect for that in that aspect. Um, but you know, Baltimore's ready and they're hungry. And like Peter Schrager said that we keep seeing is like, you know, this is a team that you don't want to see in the playoffs. And it's not that they don't have anything to lose. It's, it's, they know what they lost last year. They, they were there. They were the, you know, chiefs of this year. They were the, um, bills of this year. You know, the bills are basically what the Ravens were last year. Just Ravens were the number one record. And we'll just talk about that another time, but you know, there's a lot that goes into it, and the Ravens know what it takes. They know what they missed, uh, you know, not to look past, you know, play every week to week. And I don't really – I don't look over anybody, and I won't look over anybody because Bills are a great team. But I, like I said, I feel better about this coming weekend than I did last weekend. One of the things that put a big smile on my face was seeing the stat line of Derrick Henry finishing that game. 18 catch – not carries, catches, but carries for 40 yards, no tutters, a 2.2 yard per carry average. The Monstars came to play. Those moves that were made in the offseason, they came out and they said, you're not going to punk us again. Because all that week that was leading up, what you going to do about Derrick Henry? He ran all over you earlier this year. He ran all over you in the playoffs. What are you going to do to stop King Henry? And that King looked like a court jester this past week. Let's keep that real. Pernell motherfucking McPhee, bro. That's the best game he's played as a Raven. Hell yeah, it has. Taking everyone to school with setting the edge on the running game. Then you got A.J. Brown. The man is a beast. Got to give him his respect. I mean, he, he got away with that push off and the Marlin in the end zone. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. But how do you miss that? Like, first, like, not to sidetrack, but how the fuck do you miss that call? He clearly extended his arm. Marlon's legs buckle. He falls backwards. And it's like, you call, and they just had that ticky-tack bullshit after that, too. Yep, exactly. Or not immediately after the the offensive pass interference on old Willie Sneed in the fourth quarter, which would have iced the game. But hey, you know the ending was better with it with them calling that, just because then it got to the Marcus Peters pick, and they got to go ahead and stomp out that logo. Because fuck the Titans, just keep it one hundred. They're they're the rivalry's been renewed. It's back. It's, it's there, there's a genuine dislike between the two teams, and they're not even division rivals. That's the beauty of it. It's a genuine hatred, and the NFL's been missing that. Like the Steelers and Ravens rivalry, it hadn't been as spicy like in recent years. Let's be real. They're our little brother. The Titans are our little brother. They try to play like us. They try to be like us. They're the little brother. It's the two halves of the same coin historically because the Titans have always prided themselves on a running game and a defense, just like Pittsburgh has always prided themselves on a running game and a defense, and that's just what we do as well. 
it's that kind of mentality and that kind of blue collar style of play that breeds a whole lot of contempt from opposing teams. And I love it. Like I said, everybody else in maybe in the group chat, just in person, I want this team to be the MF doom of the NFL embrace being the super villains. Let everyone hate you because it's beautiful. It is beautiful seeing the vitriol being spewed by everyone else and let them hate you. I fucking hate being the favorite. I hate being talked about on ESPN. I hate being talked about on NFL Network. Like, they're unstoppable. They're going to win. They're going to the Super Bowl. Like, no, shut the fuck up. It's like when Tucker goes to kick and you're like, oh, he does it. He never misses. Boom, and he misses. Like, dude, we get it. Like, we know. Stop talking about it. But, like, I love being the villain. I'm with you, man. Like, I, I like that aspect of being the underdog, the villain. Like, everybody's against you because it just makes it that much sweeter. Exactly. And the simplest words to put them is, fuck them. If they don't like what they're watching, they can go watch something else. Because those punk bitches got punked on sun, on Sunday morning. But that was that was beautiful to watch. Malcolm Butler flipping the bird after that pick. Yeah, that was an awful throw. That That's just what it is. We'll get that out of the way. Then Lamar bounced back with a 49-yard run for a touchdown with the sideline play he made to Mark Andrews a little bit after that. I was with you. When Mark dropped that when Mark dropped that pass on third down, I was pissed. And I was sitting there like, oh, no, here we go again. They fall down 10-0. And the narrative, Lamar Jackson can't win a playoff game. Lamar Jackson can't come back from two scores down. They can't do this. They're not built this way. And they come back and they win from two scores down. I'm glad they got the people to shut the fuck up about that. So we'll see you in the track meet. But that being said, that's perfectly fine. We'll deal with that in another week. But in conclusion, it was a beautiful victory. On to the Bills. Buffalo, we're coming. We're coming. Fuck your celery. Fuck your wings. Fuck your blue cheese. Fuck Niagara Falls. We're coming. Exactly. And y'all deserve to lose all four of those damn Super Bowls in a row. Anyway, let's move on to the Saints and the and the Bears game that aired on Nickelodeon and the slime that occurred whenever someone would score a touchdown. I'd say before I get in, before I let you give your thoughts, Grant, I think the most notable moment of that game was when they called a penalty on Cordero Patterson for I believe his uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, and they caught him on the hot mic just saying "What the fuck" on Nickelodeon. That had me busting up laughing because I saw it. I was watching it on Prime because I don't have Nickelodeon. That's fantastic. Now you got to explain to SpongeBob and Patrick what the hell the F word is outside of the foghorn noise. So anyway, Grant, bit that business, homie. Man, <laughs> what the hell happened with that, though? But that was funny because what, like, <laughs> of all things, like, you got 14-year-old sideline reporters, like, you know, you got... Uh, with the slime everywhere, and then you got Cordero Patterson. Fuck, which is what all of us thought when we saw the NFL was on Nickelodeon. What the fuck? Not really nickel or like the NFL in general, but just a playoff game. Like, yeah, we get it. You're hurting for money. Okay, go ahead. Um, but dude, that whole game was, you know, everybody knew that the the Saints were going to come out and do what they did. Um, I, that was my upset pick. I thought the Bears had a chance. You know, Nick Foles took them to overtime this year, and you know, Mitchell Trubisky wasn't playing bad, like I had said last week, you know. But, you know, a lot of the stuff, man, just – man, they, you can just tell that they're just a bad coach team. Um, they did everything to play into the Saints' hands. You know, Kamara's Kamara. You know, Michael Thomas was back semi. You know, they – you know, he had a pretty good game. Drew Brees had a solid game. Defense played well for the Saints. 
you know, but that whims drop, man, that, that whims drop turned the entire game. I think if he makes that touchdown catch, that game's completely different because that puts a lot more pressure on the Saints. And, man, when you drop a play like that, when you know you're not supposed to win, well, you know, you never know you're not supposed to win. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, people don't ever think that you're going to win something and you have a chance to do, like, the unthinkable or, you know, shock the world mentality. And you have a perfect pass like that and you drop it wide open. It sucks the life out of everybody on that team. Like, now what? You know, and then now we're in, down in a distant situation. We're already down 7 nothing. Um, they had the big turnover on the pick. Um by the big man pick, but you know, I, th- I think that you know that game just was. Saints had a nice draw. Saints had a really nice draw. Um, Bears got to get Nagy out of there, man. Um, they got to revamp the offense a little bit. You know, quarterback. They're going to lose Allen Robinson. He gave them what he had. Um, they didn't want to hammer something out with him, like he had said. I guess today he was talking about or yesterday. He's like, man, we should have basically hammered something out in 365 days, which I don't blame him, dude. You got somebody that talented that could, you know, solidify your passing game. You know, you just need a quarterback. Um, you don't let him walk at all. And you don't necessarily – and he's a good dude. He wasn't even really, you know, being respectful or downplaying it or anything. You know, he's basically like, you know, I kind of, you know, think that we should have had something done by now. But, you know, I'll test the market and see what it's going to be. Um, but you know, all in all for the game itself, you know, I think the Saints and the Bucks coming up is gonna be a pretty good game, you know. Battle of the G Pauls, you know, who's got the coolest tennis balls on the end of their on the end of their walker. Um, but I think it's gonna come down to a defensive game, you know, who's gonna get those big stops on third downs. But like um, but as far as this game, dude, you know, we all knew that the, that what was gonna happen. Well, I didn't because that was my upset pick, but if I, I you know, you gotta differentiate yourself. But if I was betting or putting money on the line, you know, I'm not stupid. I'm going to take the Saints. But I would have loved to saw, see the Bears win. Um, and, you know, I, I think that they had their opportunities and they just didn't capitalize on them. You know, the game wasn't what it looked like in a sense. But I, I think that the Saints are going to have trouble the next round for sure. Before I give my thoughts on the game, I'll ask actually a couple things. First, it was just announced today that Ryan Pace and – Matt Nagy are staying in Chicago for 2021 while defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano is retiring from coaching. So before I get into it, I'll ask you the question, will they sign an ex- will they give Mitchell Trubisky an extension or will they let him walk? Dude, you can't. I mean, I'm a UNC fan, you know, I'm all for him. Bear stupidity to say take him second. I was excited for him to do it just because it's a Carolina dude. I was like, hell yeah, we got a number two overall pick. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, all in all, you look at the quarterbacks in that draft. You got Deshaun Watson, Mahomes. You know, Mahomes, nobody really thought he was going to be what he is because, I mean, he you can't really judge a Texas Tech quarterback in that run-and-shoot offense. But, you know, Deshaun Watson, everybody knew that he was a whole lot better than Mitchell Trubisky in any aspect. And, I mean, he's been there. He proved it. He did everything. And you take him. I just didn't understand that. But you can't. I mean, if they do, that's just them being stubborn, man. And I I talk to a lot of Bears fans, and I have a lot of friends that are Bears fans. And, you know, Nagy's done, man. I can't believe that they're even not moving him. And what sucks is the only guy that's leaving, Pagano, is the only one that knows how football and that's the truth now i'm not gonna lie i wouldn't mind seeing mitchell drubisky be a backup to another mobile quarterback like or any year on the nfl maybe being the clipboard holder for watson or lamar jackson or anybody like that because if they go down you can still run your offense and he can he's a very good runner in open space he's not lamar but he can do it they killed his confidence like i mean like they 
They, he didn't really get a fair shake. I mean, not like Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen got fucked more than anybody. But like Mitchell Jabisky didn't get like a fair shake. He didn't really get like, you know, that time to really grow. And they threw him in. And, and sometimes it's hard when you're like that guy and you get thrown into that fire. Yeah, you get picked out early. But I mean, it's it, it, you don't know till you're there. And, you know, when you're a competitive team, you know, everybody bears defense, you know, that pressure is on him too. You know, shit, I got a good defense. I got to perform. You know, I can't fuck up. You know, they had just drafted David Montgomery, you know, or, or no, sorry, was David Montgomery? That was the same year. But, um, you know, they still had, like, they're all – I think Jordan Howard was still there his rookie year. Um, Tariq Cohen was there. And, like, th- that's when these guys were really kind of showing out. They had players on offense. Um, Allen Robinson was there. And, you know, the guy goes in, and it's harder when you're playing for a team that has a chance. When you're that young guy and you kind of get thrown in the fire and you're playing for somebody that has a chance, it's like, am I the problem? Shit, if I fuck up, and that puts more pressure on you. So, like, it's a tough situation for him. And I'm not trying to defend him or anything because he does have to play better. But it's he hasn't had the best of situations there. And it might be better for him to move on, back up for maybe a year, get another shot on a situation, you know, hopefully not on an injury because I don't want to see anybody get But, you know, hopefully he gets another chance where he gets some time to mature a little bit more because he really did start to come on you know, mid-season to late when he, like, took over for Nick Foles and stuff. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is with him, and I think that he he did. I mean, I think he got a shitty shake. Absolutely. I would love to see him go to Kansas City and coach – and not coach, but play behind and back up Mahomes and learn from Andy Reid. He's the quarterback guru. He's developed so many different backups back in the day to become starters, eventual players to play for other teams. Trubisky would do a great, would be great learning his system. He can at least, I think he can have an Alex Smith kind of renaissance if he goes to the right place. But anywho, for me, this game was a foregone conclusion. This was the game where we differed, but I happened to be right in this instance. I mean, no disrespect to the Bears, but I'm, I'm not a Mitchell Trubisky believer in that offense. And you're absolutely right. He didn't get a fair shake in Chicago. I mean, shoot, you get drafted second overall where the team trades up for you. And your head coach is John Fox, a defensive guy who doesn't really develop quarterbacks like that. He gets fired the next year. You bring in a Matt Nagy who coached under Andy Reid, but he's not quite Andy Reid. No, he was like the one from the tree that like the branch broke a lot sooner than it should have. Yep, that's exactly right. But he, God bless him, he's coaching there for another season. Who knows, maybe they'll bring him back because Ryan Pace doesn't want to admit he was wrong and should have taken Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes, but... That's neither here nor there. How do you not, though? Yeah. I mean, nepotism, arrogance, and just not wanting to be wrong. They could have literally traded back because I, I forgot who the defensive lineman was when I drafted the big name. Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas. He went third. He went third to the Niners. But they had, I mean, there was some a couple other guys, you know, people were, would have traded up for to that spot to get. And it's like, man, you could have traded back maybe – four, five, six, seven spots plus added some late mid to late round capital and and then still got Mitchell Trubisky if you really wanted him. Who was nobody was gonna take him then? Nope, not at all. Either way, I expected the game to go down the way they did, and it did. Breeze played fine. The running game was there and Camara went off, proving he's one of the best backs in the NFL. And that's that's just what that is. Michael Thomas had a solid game. Jerry Cook played all right. Deontay, ooh, I didn't see this. Deontay Harris going off seven to seven for 83 yards. That's not bad. 
<laughs> well, there you go, my guy. There you go. You you surprised me. But either way, with this win, the Saints get to play host for a three-peat. The rubber, it wouldn't it would be a rubber match if the Bucks actually beat them once, but now they get to play the division rival Tampa Bay Bucks this coming Sunday. Wait, no, it might be Saturday. One of the two days this weekend is going to include a game between the Saints and the Bucks at New Orleans, where the Saints have dominated the team. So we'll preview that later in the week. But meanwhile, let's get into it. For me, it was the most shocking game of the of the week. Grant picked this one right. The Cleveland Browns, the little brothers of the AFC North, coming into Heinz Field to play the big, bad old Pittsburgh Steelers. We started off 11-0 and limped into the playoffs, losing four of their next five games. Yes, they lost four of their next five games to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 48-37. to Who, Fun fact, the, St- the Steelers were actually the Browns' previous two opponents when they made the playoffs. And lost to him both times. So, Grant, get into it. How about them Steelers, dude? Cadillac, Cata, shut the fuck up. Listen, that whole game is on Juju, man. Blame yourself. I told you guys the other day on the show, man. Like, that was fuel that did not need to be added to the fire. Like, they, you have a team that doesn't, like, everybody's against them. They have that mentality, like, nobody likes them, nobody wants them to win. They haven't been there in how long? They haven't won a playoff game, what, over 20 years? So, like, you know, they they had something to prove, and the Steelers are not a good team, and everybody said that. You know, it, you get the people that were like, "Oh man, they were eleven and 0 frauds." You get the people that are eleven and zero. You can't be a fraud at eleven and zero. Yes, you can. That's why the NFL sixteen weeks, not eleven weeks. If it was eleven weeks, they were the best team in football eleven weeks. But then you still got the playoffs when they started losing. So. Everybody knew that they snuck away a lot of games they shouldn't have won in those 11 games, too. They were fraudulent. So there's nothing wrong with saying that. And in this situation, you know, you have the Browns that come in. Baker Mayfield, you know, that was funny as hell what he did afterwards when Colin Cowery flipped his hat backwards um, in his interview. But, I mean, you know, they showed up. Nick Chubb, man, that dude is so fun to watch. You know, I think I said the other week, you know, that he's, you know, I think he's the best all-around back in the league and he goes out and has reception or whatever he did but you know near nor here nor there but you know I think that everything did you know come out on top for the Browns you know really tough matchup but like I said before we always say it anything can happen Steelers man they got a lot of like they're in complete rebuild now you got to get another quarterback there's no way Ben Roethlisberger's do 41 and a half million next year like that's how much your cap that's got to be at least what 24 27 percent of the cap so, like, you know, Pouncey's going to retire. Um, you know, you got some guys coming off injuries. You know, they'll be good to be inside the ball like Devin Bush and Dupree. Um, but, you know, you got to find identity, man. You got to get back to Steeler football. You're not running the ball at all. You know, it's pretty embarrassing for Pittsburgh Steelers to not have a running game. You know, you always look at them. and You know, you mentioned before, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers power running game. You know, run the football, control the offense. And they're not even a – a blink of that. And they got these young diva receivers who have got to be the most annoying people on the planet. Deontay Johnson's the only one that doesn't seem like a complete tool bag. You know, Chase Claypool, that guy, you know, Juju, he does. I thought, you know, we talked before the show and, you know, we both kind of, you know, we both like Juju before the season, but man, he really showed who he was. And that dude is annoying as hell too. And I think that you need to get away from that, man. That distracts. You know, you got mixed emotions on a team when that stuff kind of happens. You got guys that are here trying to draw attention to themselves, 
negative or positive. And then you got guys that are like, shut up and play football. So at some point, even as a coaching staff, Mike Tomlin has to step up and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm in charge here. You know, stop the bullshit. Get off TikTok. You know, do TikTok on your free time. Do it in your apartment. Do it in your, at your house, your condo, wherever. You know, do that shit then. Do it at the club. You know, don't do it, you know, wear your mask though. But don't do it in my locker room. Don't do it after a game. Don't do it on somebody's logo because they completely got a target put on their and, – and I believe – I do believe in those situations that, you know, you can hurt yourself and they completely hurt themselves. And the Browns walked right into their stadium and manned up. They went up, what, 24 nothing, I think. And, you know, at that point, the whole world was like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, like what, what is really happening with this game? And, you know, the Browns do – what wins January and February football. And and we always say it with the Ravens. We, I just mentioned it with the Steelers, you know, the Seahawks, we talked about it earlier, those teams that are power teams and can also, you know, play smart and utilize, you know, their offense, as far as the passing schemes, you know, they win games, they win playoff games, they win championships. So it's an elevation thing. And it's like, you know, they got to get back to that identity. The Browns are playing with that identity right now. You know, the receiving core doesn't really scare anybody. You know, Landry, Landry's a great receiver, but he's not, he's not a, I don't think he's a one. He might be like a one B or a one C. Uh, but, you know, they, they don't have a lot going on for him. I mean, you know, Hooper could be what it is, but, you know, he would have been, he was a good matchup this week because of their lack of, you know, what they have, they had Spillane on, um, on Landry on that one touchdown. It's like, you got one receiver on the field. You got all these DBs, and you have the linebacker guarding their number one. Like what? What is that? Like who? who like there's no. You don't. You don't check your defense. You don't. You know, make any adjustments. Like app. Like pre-snap adjustments. Like you don't look at that and be like, "Hey, man, the white dude wearing number forty-one probably shouldn't guard Jarvis Landry." Let's just be real. Like you're asking to get smoked, and I mean it happened. And, you know, I mean, that just comes down to coaching, discipline. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that factor in that. I don't really see the leadership on that side of the ball is on Cam Hayward. And, you know, is he ready to be on his way out? You know, don't want to say anything like that because of his, you know, I don't want to ever question a man's character. But, you know, they're not motivated. They're not playing motivated. You know, T.J. Watton and they're not playing motivated. But the Browns did what they had to do. They got a tough matchup and it's going to be a fun game to watch, man. Most definitely. I got a couple thoughts on this. First off, it's the, to me. I'll say it. It's the end of the. It's the end of an era for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're no longer that team that was bullying around the Bengals and the the Browns for all these years, being the arguably the top dog in the division, always switching between them and Baltimore every season. But they're no longer that team. Ben is done. He has he has to go. Fickner should probably go along with him, and they should reinvest in that coaching in those coaching assistants. That was stupid having Robert Spillane try to cover Jarvis Landry one-on-one. They do things like that sometimes. Like I remember a Sunday night game where I caught LJ Fort, who I love on this team now, but he was stuck in the slot having to cover Keenan Allen one-on-one. That yeah, You ain't going to win that. That's a, that's all bad. That's route runner. All like, bad. As much as I man crush on Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen is the best route runner in football, so that's even crazier. Without question. But, yes, they are done. Good on Cleveland because now that they've taken care of the big bad boogeyman on the on their shoulders, to me it's going to be coming down to the Ravens and Browns every season for the AFC North. I think Cleveland is here. I think they're ready to compete. They have an excellent running game with Chubb and Kareem Hunt, like you said. 
Nick Chubb is a better back than Derrick Henry. You can definitely make that argument. Landry's not bad as a receiver, and Baker seems to play better with him, with throwing him into those other receivers than he does to Odell. So we'll see what comes of it. This this Sunday will be an interesting game. We'll preview it later in the week. But meanwhile, we have to wrap, riggedy wrap it up tonight. So, you know, thank y'all for listening, and we'll catch y'all on another day. See ya! Grant, Jake, Zone 32, only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties.